Hello, welcome to Lazada Insider, featuring knowledge to makes a difference. We share trusted insights, forward-looking perspectives, and exclusive expert interviews to keep you ahead of the curve. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Lazada Insider, winning the Beauty Digital Shelf Special Series. I'm your host, Chen. Evocative beauty has always been at the forefront of innovations and creativities. As Southeast Asian consumers resume social activities, they seek to express themselves through evocative beauty. Today, we are delighted to welcome our expert guests to discuss the key trends in the space, as well as how brands can best leverage both online and offline channels for additional business growth. Let me introduce our expert guest today. We have Miki. NAS Asia Regional Executive Director from Shishado Group. We have Samantha, Chief Marketing Officer from Synergy. We have Dole, Creative Director and Founder, Makeup Entourage. Welcome to Lazada Insider. First of all, we'll just do a bit of the introductions. Maybe we should start with Miki. Can you share a bit more about what you do? Yes, I'm the Executive Director for NAS Cosmetics at Asia Regional. And great to see all of you. I'm working with the 12 uh, APEC uh, country, including China or Southeast Asia and Japan, uh, all the regions. And then the major things that we are doing for, of course, the marketing, digital activity, and then the e-commerce, uh, e digital commerce, uh, and also the communication strategy, like a celebrity influencer strategy, at the same time, educations and the sales. So all the you know, scope of the work that I'm uh, working with the 12, different country. And then we uh, built a NAS brand with our whole team together. So great to see you, everybody. Sure. How about you, Samantha? Hi, I'm Sam. So I heat up the marketing at Synergy. So I spent the last 15 years of my life uh, in the beauty industry. And before Synergy, I heat up the YSL Armani Beauty at Laurel, Singapore. Uh, and now today, with my amazing team of 50 marketeers across the region, I'm very happy to help our brand partners, you know, like NAS, uh, to really engage consumers in an effective and meaningful way to help brands achieve, you know, their brand and commercial objective digitally. How about you, Dory? Hi, I'm Dolly. I'm from Makeup Entourage. So I've been doing makeup for about 30 years. Um, touching local artists and uh, many overseas ones that come over. Also, the whole team is um, taking care of uh, drama sets in Singapore as well as movies and also commercials. So uh, we touch on faces every day. So I hope to come in and also help to improve the market a bit. Thanks for the introductions. So maybe my first question is to Miki. So in your opinions, what are the primary driver of the growth for evocative beauty in Southeast Asia? Yeah, it's a, actually this quite difficult questions for me to make it in the very short. But uh, you know, environment around the beauty has been dramatically changing now. And then now we are working for the as a beauty company. We need to adjust the strategy uh, actually every year. And I believe that there are three key drivers to grow um, beauty business in Asia market from the company point of view. First of all, all you know, it's still the product driven. So we seek new products, innovations, and the totally new makeup techniques. And the consumers have been looking for some newness and what makes them excited and surprised. If they are not excited and surprised, of course, we will not be able to drive the you know the, the the demand 
So, um, you know, it's, for example, right now is a long lasting uh, lipsticks with a light texture or clean formula for complexions or limited editions, eyeshadow palette. So if the beauty company can excite the consumer continuously, uh, we can uh, make the, uh, the, the beauty uh, is more active and then exciting. But that's the first things as a base. And the second things uh, that, uh, you know, this entry we really keep doing is that uh, we are closely look into the consumer needs under the any environmental changes and the habit changes. We should deep dive per market and then they need to find uh, the common points in Southeast Asia. For example, for last two years, the consumer are looking for the products more towards the transfer proof, skin beauty, even for makeup, not the heavy makeup or natural, uh, it's more for natural skin. Because of the pandemic and the everyday use of the mask, so I'm sure that uh, you know everybody is also in a face, uh, facing the same situations. So now, light reflecting setting powder actually grew over five times more during these two years in Southeast Asia specifically. It's not like in the US or EMEA. It's it's really Southeast Asia driven. That was increased total in a powder category, and then. Of course, this is not the new product. This is a, a, a existing for 20 years. But uh, this one is really, these two years makes the, the hit into the consumer needs. And then the new communication gained the further awareness and they grew the business together. Is that the lastly, in the most importantly, we need to really understanding and updating consumer decision journey in each market. The consumer decision journey, what I'm saying is that the awareness considerations, advocacy, or conversion, or loyalty, you know, which touch point we, we are talking where. So it's really changing dramatically now, and then we need to keep updating our best touch point and the best digital, best digital content for each touch point. This part, I think the, uh, it's, uh, you know, the key things that we need to discuss uh, even today, that how we can you know, engage the consumer and how we can elevate for the consumer decision journey in the Southeast Asia, in a beauty market. Dory, you work with many customers from different backgrounds. So from your observations, how has consumers' behavior changed in the last one to two years in terms of purchasing evocative beauty products? So I feel that our clients and also fellow makeup artists are paying key attention to what ingredients are in the products to make sure they are very safe. Mm -hmm. Especially people with a very sensitive skin and also they've been hiding the, under the mask for so, like so many years. So yeah, and um, people are going out to work and uh, maybe they want to spend lesser time by getting the best ben benefit from you know, makeup and skincare. So actually, skincare benefit makeup is getting very popular. People now are more conscious, especially when it comes to things like foundation. We want makeup as skincare and skin to improve over time in the shortest period. Also, I want to mention, okay, um, I love working with this lady called Bian. She's in her 60s. She mm -hmm. keeps her hair like white. Her skin is beautiful. She's modeling at 60 years old in her 60s. So she works with beauty brands and so nice to see how brands are coming in, you know, inclusively, you know, for, for mm -hmm. even aging skin, showing them as the skin, as who they are on screen. That is impressive. And thank you for the uh, story, uh, your insight. So Sam, Give us an overview. How will you describe the current landscape of Southeast Asia evocative beauty industry? 
Um, I think I'll start off with in the past two years, right? The makeup industry has really gone through this upheaval, right? Because of the pandemic, you know, we have work from home arrangement, we have all that mask wearing requirement. So we actually saw like a majority of consumers kind of put their makeup aside. But while that is happening, there's also this rise of segment of consumers, right? Who have started to evolve to wear makeup for themselves rather than for others. And we see now that the market's opening after years of restriction, right? Everyone is super enthusiastic about being back outside unrestricted. And this whole excitement has really generated a fresh wave of makeup experimentation. Uh, and like what Dolly said, right? You know, people are getting more inclusive. And so with this cultural shift of makeup being more um, inclusive and expressive, uh, we see that makeup now is no longer about hiding yourself, you know, hiding parts of yourself that you don't like to becoming this tool that really helps you to express yourself, um, express yourself, you know, regardless of your gender identity, you know, really put yourself uh, forward in the way you are most confident, right? So to me, now is really an exciting time to be in the makeup industry. Uh, there is this sense of liberation, a spirit of like, you do you. And this really fuels that creativity and innovation. And uh, from outside at Synergy, it's really evident across the region, that, uh, all that we manage the channels. We see this upward trend across all channels for makeup brands. We also see shoppers being more experimental than before. Previously, we probably see them check out with you know one color, one lipstick in a single purchase. Today, we see them doing multiple color purchases in their checkout. So that's really evident you know, in that whole creativity, experimentation that we see that's fueling uh, the market. Thank you. Uh, Mickey, go back to your earlier point about digital consumers, uh, I mean, digital uh, journey. So definitely we know that digital commerce has made beauty product more accessible, but what exactly the impact has the rise of digital commerce had on the evocative beauty industry in your opinion? Yeah, it's a very uh, changing point and then the, everybody uh, is facing Right now, the beauty company in Sepak has been uh, previously in 90, until 2019 focused on the brick and mortars. And the consumer mm -hmm. in digital commerce versus brick and mortars, uh, you know, consumer, we believe that uh, two different segments that we are talking about. But right now, and then at the time we are talking about uh, O2O, you know, offline to online strategy. But now it's completely over for these kind of things. And then the, for these three years, the digital commerce opportunity, including Lazada, has been elevating dramatically, and it's the key channel to grow the you know, market. So, for example, for NARS, uh, is a triple the digital commerce business in these uh, three years. That means uh, that the channel is so important for us. So now uh, we cannot say that the, the consumer is a different in each channel. So that's the real omni-channel opportunity is coming into the market. So the consumer experience, like omni-channel, you know, that during the pandemic time, they, can, they cannot go into the brick and mortars, and then they are getting used to using the, the digital commerce as well. So the real omni-channel purchase, uh, and, and then the uh, no hurdle to, you know, buy any of the beauty product in the digital commerce. So we definitely need to consider that how we can support this uh, omni-channel purchasing behavior. And then, you know, for example, we, we just need to have uh, the, more the digital content to really, um, you know, let them feel um, uh, the comfortable to buy the products and it's comfortable to choose the products. Number two is that the investing technology for the digital commerce, and then we just need to, uh, you know, put the budget try on or you know even the foundation finder is the one that we just take a photo and then they pick up the shade, uh, the color for you. So these kind of things uh, is definitely necessary for 
for the new world. And then the most importantly, you know, we also need to manage the consumer services in each channel. Otherwise, you know, we, we do not, uh, you know, previously we really focused on the brick and mortar, how to serve, you know, the loyalty through the, the brick and mortar. But now it's not a case, you know, even the consumer loyalty was be built by the digital commerce as well. So the consumer services is really important in each channel. So these are, are the area that, that we are now, um, you know, the, doing these three years. And therefore, the, until the next year, I think we just need to really think about, okay, now is omni-channel started and how to manage the consumer data in this omni-channel world. So that's the next step that we definitely need to go in for the loyalty, you know, for how we can build the consumer data and then how we can relate to the consumer furthermore. Yeah, that brings me to my next questions about O2O. So, Samantha, so uh, in your opinion, how can evocative brands best leverage on these O2O uh, trends in the market? Exactly what, like what Mickey has said uh, previously, right? Offline has always been uh, the priority. And then we've witnessed a shift, right, into online Omni, uh, which was really uh, accelerated by the pandemic. So, you know, with this blurring of the online and offline world into one, uh, what's really important is really brands who have a very clear channel differentiation strategy. And we need to think about, like, how we can get shoppers to engage with us both online and offline, you know? How can we excite them with retailtainment, and, but the online world comes with its own challenges, right? Because it lacks a sensorial experience, it lacks the presence of makeup artists and beauty advisors to really facilitate a purchase journey. So we really need to enlist the help of technology, right? To help brands uh, to match their offline experience with their online experience. So tools like what Mickey mentioned, augmented reality, you know, even things like live shows, uh, these are really things that brands can tap on to, um, growth, uh, to drive their growth. So live show in particular, right, um, I look at it like your offline store activation. You know, this is something that brands can really leverage on as their online retail payment, you know, to create a buzz, the awareness for their digital storefront. Uh, to me, these are different ways, tools that, you know, brands can leverage on to really drive that, you know, uh, business growth online. Thanks. Uh, Dore, anything to add on? Okay, from what I observe from brands like NARS, for example, they, um, they have integrated technology into the whole entire consumer experience so people can try lipstick virtually before they purchase. Usually um, before, before um, clients coming from us are those that we have used colors and products on them. They will usually, you know, have it tried on their face and then go on to, um, you know, their retail store. But it's very interesting how they can do it online now and then decide on the colors. So um, I believe they also have like sampling program that allow consumers to test and, you know, try their products before purchase. But today we can see something online, research more course we're interested in and then end up purchasing it offline. I would like to get from all the three experts, what are the top two trends you anticipate in the evocative beauty industry over the next one to two years? Maybe we will start with Mickey. Yes, it's uh, also a very difficult question, but I also think uh, uh, right now, um, I would say that hyper personalizations is the key in the omni-channel purchasing. So that, uh, as I said, the omni-channel, the consumer digital journey is really changing. And then the, if we just make this kind of things, just uh, you know, content innovation or technology innovation only, then of course it's uh, very difficult to customize to the consumer. So 
we always need to think about how we can make this personalized more and more. So not only just the digital content, but also the technology and also the, as I said, the consumer services, or uh, even more than how we can personalize and make up uh, artist services, not only just the offline, but also the online. So these uh, digital uh, innovations is really important uh, for the personalized communications uh, and then the, um, you know, the engagement to the consumers right now. So that's the top things that we need to consider for the beauty industry uh, in the future. And if you say top two, and another thing is the sustainability. So sustainability is the uh, key to change the, the beauty market. As Dorlay said, uh, you know, the cream formula or, you know, sensitive skin. And then even the makeup is now uh, talking about the skin beauty. And then we also need to think about the packaging or, or you know, collateral. So everything's uh, need to be a very sustainable matter from now to let's say 2025, 2026. So I think these two will be the key area that uh, we need to consider for um, advocate uh, the, the beauty industry in the future. To uh, echo Miki's point of hyper-personalization, right? I actually think of it like uh, the continual rise of beauty tech. So taking hyper-personalization to even the next level, like 3D makeup color printers, you know, which will really allow shoppers to customize their makeup for themselves at home. Uh, we already start to see some brands having, you know, lip color printers, you know, that allow shoppers to create custom lipstick shades by just scanning their outfits, you know, and then they get a recommended lip shade. So I think that's one uh, beauty tech in that way. The other uh, thing that I think is really, um, that we'll see in the future is virtual beauty. And... Mm -hmm. Although it's like infancy stage, right? But it really creates this platform for self-expression and it allows brands to tap on this completely new community. A very good example is something that I saw Nas did. Uh, it was their color quest on uh, Roblox. Right. Oh, yes, yeah, super cool. You know, so I saw it and I was like, oh, this is really interesting. You know, you know, Nas is doing something completely different. Um, it's engaging the consumers in a completely different way for the new consumers to learn about Nas. Uh, and engage with them in a completely different context in the virtual world. So I think virtual mm -hmm. beauty is so infancy. I think that's something we'll see more and more in the future. Yeah, I agree, I agree. I totally agree with you, Sam. I think it's, uh, you know, consumer is not uh, just uh, living in the world anymore. We need to go in for the digital. In a low rock, so the why we are going this uh, area, or sometimes we also started to do NFT, well, it's what the crypto world as well. You know, previously when the beauty company, working for the beauty company, never think about the crypto, never think about NFT, never think about Roblox. But now it's all the, you know, the omnichannel environment giving the opportunity to think that, uh, oh, the makeup is not just the offline, you know, doing the makeup at home. You know, we need to think about how the online virtual world consumer can do the makeup or how do they excite uh the, the new customer through this kind of nft world yeah it's like um self-expression offline and online in the omni way right how do i dress right. myself and look exactly. like online as well in the virtual world right 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 yeah even any uh, you know the instagram icon is going to be exactly. you know, elevated to not only just uh you know the makeup look myself you know they just creating the virtual face and then they put into the you know, icon, that's also, you know, part of our job to make the consumer excited. So that's yeah. a new way to engage the consumers in a different world. Sure. Doreen, you, you want to share something? Yes. And yeah. so coming up with 
us as a makeup artist, I think from what they can see virtually and also try out, we are here also to help to achieve the results they want. Mm. So having them, you know, virtually done everything, getting the products and then maybe coming to us on a, a level where, you know, we, we tried this, like virtually it doesn't work. So we are here to help also, you know, to see how and achieve certain products correctly. Yeah, great. I think that's also a good point because, uh, you know, on the makeup, I don't think that makeup is just the makeup products or excite to the consumer. The technique and a new technique or how to technique, well, you know, this uh, information also, uh, you know, the excite to the consumer, right? Yeah, the artistry is very, very important. And, you know, it, I've learned many tricks from different makeup artists, uh, how to use a lipstick as a blush or as eyeshadow, you know. Yeah, and it's very interesting for us to work with brands whenever they come up with a new product, how, you know, from our, our level, if they were to purchase a product, how you can use one product in maybe 10 ways. Mm. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that makes the most, uh, you know, the exciting part for the makeup. And then, you know, how to use the color, choose the color, you know, skin, how to match into the skin tone. Everything is artistry. So that's, uh, these things is so important for the makeup. Cool. Thank you very much for your sharing. And I think that brings us to the end of today's episode. Thank you much. Uh, thank you very much again for your insights. This is Azana Insider. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you click follow and subscribe so you don't miss our latest insights and expert interviews. Thanks again for joining us. Until next time, take care. Bye.